everybody, welcome to the Game Before the Money podcast. A look at the 1972 Oakland Raiders. Hi everybody, I'm Jackson Michael, author of The Game Before the Money, and in this episode, going to take a look at the 1972 Oakland Raiders, a team whose season ended on one of the most famous plays in NFL history. You likely know the story, the Raiders lost to the Steelers in the AFC playoffs on the legendary Franco Harris Immaculate Reception. And that's really all most people can tell you about the 1972 Oakland Raiders. The season was important in Raider history, however, and we'll delve into that in this episode. A bit of background history. The Raiders appeared in Super Bowl II. That was for the championship for the 1967 season. So that was five years ago before entering the 1972 season. John Madden had taken over as head coach of the Raiders starting with the 1969 season. And the Raiders had the best regular season record in all of pro football in 1969, but fell to the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFL championship game. In 1971, the Raiders missed the playoffs for the first time in five years, despite their solid 8-4-2 record. And that was before regular season games went into overtime, and it was also when only four teams made the playoffs from each conference. The Raiders looked to return to the playoffs in 1972. Rookies Cliff Branch, Dave Dalby, and Otis Sistrunk had bright Raider futures ahead. So did young quarterback Ken Stabler, who started in week one of 1972, ironically against the Pittsburgh Steelers at Three Rivers Stadium. Stabler got off to a rocky start, however, and was replaced first by George Blanda in that game, who was celebrating his 45th birthday on that day, and later in the game by Daryl LaMonica, who had started for the Raiders in Super Bowl II and for most of 1971. The Raiders trailed 27-7 going into the fourth quarter of that Week 1 game against the Steelers, but scored three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. The Steelers got one big play in the fourth quarter, a 57-yard touchdown pass. Otherwise, it likely would have been an exceptional come-from-behind win for Daryl LaMonica and the Raiders on the road to start the season. And instead, the Raiders lost 34-28 despite trailing 27-7 going into the fourth quarter. The Raiders visited another eventual division champion in Week 2 of the 1972 season, they played the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field, and the Raiders led 7-3 in the first quarter with the Packers inside the Raider 5. Green Bay called an option play. I know, that's a, a strange call in pro football. The Packers botched the pitch out, and the ball bounced into the end zone where Jack Tatum scooped it up for the Raiders and ran 104 yards for a touchdown. As of 2020, that fumble return still stands tied as the longest in NFL history. And that defensive touchdown turned out to be the difference in a 20-14 Raider win on the road. And the 1972 Raiders were at 500 after two weeks. 
They played their first home game in week three against San Diego, still with Daryl LaMonica calling the signals. George Blanda hit a late field goal to tie the game, and the Raiders stood exactly even at 1-1-1 after three games. And remember, the NFL didn't go into overtime during the regular season. The Raiders played on Monday Night Football the next week at Houston. You might have actually seen a highlight from this game, but not one from the field of play. The Raiders scored 21 fourth quarter points and trounced the Oilers 34 to nothing in a game famous for an Oilers fan giving the Monday Night Football cameras the finger late in the game. That caused announcer Don Meredith to quip, they're number one in the nation. Those were the good old days of 1970s NFL football on television. The Raiders played the Bills at home the next week, and the Silver and Black trailed 16-7 in the fourth quarter before they launched another 21-point fourth quarter outburst to win the game. That marked three times in the season's first five weeks that the Raiders scored 21 points in the fourth quarter behind quarterback Daryl LaMonica. The team's record stood at 3-1-1. After dropping the next week's game against the Broncos, Oakland proved they could score early as well as late in the game as the team jetted to a 28-point first quarter against the Los Angeles Rams. Phil Villapiano later raced 82 yards on an interception return for a touchdown, and the Raiders destroyed the Rams 45-17. So already you're seeing the potent Oakland Raider offense scoring three and four touchdowns in a quarter in four of the first seven weeks of the season. The Raiders played rival Kansas City the next week in the Chiefs' new home, Arrowhead Stadium, which opened in 1972. The first ever Raiders-Kansas City game at Arrowhead went to Kansas City and launched the Chiefs into first place in the AFC West with six games remaining in the season. The Raiders stood at 4-3-1 at this point. And it's points like this that define a team's character. Are they a mediocre team in decline? Are they a rebuilding squad? Or do they have the makeup of champions rising to the occasion? The previous week's Kansas City game started a three-game road trip with travels to both Cincinnati and Denver. The Raiders topped the Bengals in Cincinnati, a team with a winning record, and then avenged the earlier loss to the Broncos. Otis Sistrunk had an outstanding game against Denver, and Daryl LaMonica continued to lead the Raiders' potent offense, a team that could have easily tanked after losing the first of three road games to fall to almost 500 proved that it had resolve. That team had so much resolve that the Raiders turned the tables on Kansas City, who lost two straight while the Raiders won on the road, and the Raiders kept on winning. The team rushed for over 250 yards in the rematch against the Chiefs, while Daryl LaMonica threw two touchdown passes, and the Oakland defense shut down Kansas City in a convincing 26-3 victory that all but sewed up the AFC West in favor of the Silver and Black. So if you look, in the course of three weeks, that 1972 Raiders team 
went from treading on some pretty thin ground to basically wrapping up the division in just a three-week period. The Raiders won out the rest of the regular season and gained their fifth division title in six seasons. The 1972 Raiders also claimed their first of five straight division titles to come. That totals 10 division titles out of 11 seasons. And don't forget that their division rival, the Kansas City Chiefs, won the Super Bowl during that period. The Raiders dominated the regular season for a decade. Oakland's potent rushing attack in 1972 rushed for over 200 yards in four games. The team placed third in the AFC in points scored and in points allowed. The Raiders traveled to Pittsburgh for the divisional playoffs, and a lot of people get that mixed up. The Immaculate Reception didn't send the Steelers to the Super Bowl. The undefeated Dolphins won the AFC title that year. The divisional playoff game at Pittsburgh was the second time that the teams met at Three Rivers Stadium that year. The Steelers finished second in the NFL in points allowed, and Pittsburgh came into the game having won nine of their last 10 games. Their defense gave up a total of 13 points over the last four games. Only one touchdown had been scored against the Steelers in those four games. But the Raiders, of course, had that offense that could put points up in bunches. The Raiders started off the playoff game by running their 1,000-yard rusher Marv Hubbard to the left behind Art Shell. They found success nibbling away at the Steeler defense, but the drive ended with an interception. The Raider defense responded and stopped Terry Bradshaw on a third down scramble, and so the Steelers didn't capitalize on that interception. The Steelers' mighty defensive line, led by Joe Green, stymied the Raider offense through the rest of the first half. Pass plays didn't have time to develop. The running lanes collapsed. The longest Raider pass play in the first half was an 11-yard reception by Fred Bolitnikoff. But the Raiders' defense also came up big. Jack Tatum stopped a fourth and two when he plugged up the middle on a Steeler dive play. And throughout that first half, Otis Sistrunk moved laterally across the line to stop the Steeler running game. And Tony Klein pressured Terry Bradshaw in pass plays and came up with a big sack. Both defenses owned the first half against high-scoring offenses. The game was scoreless at halftime. The Steelers adjusted their game plan on their opening drive of the second half and threw underneath to Franco Harris and then opened things up with a longer pass to get inside the Raider 20. Pittsburgh kicked a field goal and led 3 to nothing after the first possession of the second half. Daryl LaMonica remained at quarterback for Oakland but couldn't get the offense moving against the stalwart Steelers. The Raiders' defense answered, however, and Klein continued his sack attack on Bradshaw. Late in the third quarter, an odd play likely proved important. LaMonica previously completed a 19-yard pass to Raymond Chester to get the Raiders close to field goal range, but on third down, the Steelers deflected a pass that was caught by Raiders center Jim Otto. Otto valiantly attempted to pick up the first down, but fell a yard shy. The Raiders came away with no points on that drive. Oakland's next possession came in the fourth quarter, still trailing three to nothing. 
LaMonica threw a long pass to Bolitnikoff, who was double-covered, and the throw was intercepted by second-year linebacker Jack Ham. The Raider defense again answered the call and prevented the Steelers from capitalizing, and John Madden replaced LaMonica with Ken Stabler at quarterback. Stabler had been on the Raider roster for a few years, but hadn't played much. But the Raiders' offensive storyline didn't change much, and the Steeler defensive line crushed Stabler. The Raider defense followed up with an interception, and the Steelers followed that up with a fumble recovery in Raider territory, and the Raider turnover led to a field goal, and the Steelers led 6 to nothing. But still, it's a one-possession game, and the Oakland offense came alive on the next possession. Stabler connected on three passes that produced first downs. The third was to Fred Bolitnikoff in Steeler territory at about the two-minute warning. Stabler later hit rookie Mike Ciani at the Steeler 30, and the next play could have been the most famous in Ken Stabler's career. He rolled to his left to throw and then gambled when he saw daylight down the sidelines and tucked the ball under his arm. He scampered the full 30 yards for a Raider touchdown. And Oakland led 7-6 to six with just over a minute left. That isn't a highlight that you see very often. However, it likely would have been a very famous play in Ken Stabler's career and in Oakland Raider history had it not been for what happened in the final minute of that game. And we all know what happened in the final minute of that game. It's, of course, another story for another day. We could spend a long time talking about that famous Franco Harris catch. And although everybody knows that bit of NFL history, what we don't know is how the Raiders would have fared against the undefeated Dolphins in the AFC Championship game. And it's really hard to say. The Dolphins, of course, went undefeated even through the Super Bowl, recognized as one of the greatest teams in NFL history, if not the greatest team in NFL history. And Miami statistically had the best offense and defense in the NFL that year. And in many categories, no other teams were close. I'm not a big stats guy, but teams like that tend to win championships. The Raiders, however, did end the Dolphins' winning streak when they beat them in Week 2 of the 1973 season. And there's some trivia for you. The 1972 Raiders stand as the bridge between the 1960s AFL Raiders and the 1970s AFC Raiders. Stabler replaced LaMonica for good early in the 1973 season, and younger players such as Otis Sistrunk, Phil Villapiano, and Jack Tatum solidified the defense as careers had finished for men like Ben Davidson and David Grayson by the end of 1971. The players that define the 1970s Raiders solidified themselves as a unit in 1972 and had the divisional playoff ended differently, the Raiders would have made the AFL and AFC Championship games for a grand total of 10 out of 11 seasons. The Raiders made it to the AFC Championship game for the next five consecutive years from 1973 through 1977. Overall, the Raiders made it to at least the AFL-AFC Championship game for 9 out of 11 seasons, missing only 1971 and 1972 in the years between 1967 and 1977. 
Although the 1972 Raiders fell short in the divisional playoffs, they formed the nucleus of the team that continued the Raider tradition from the late 1960s through the 1970s and eventually into the early 1980s. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Game Before the Money podcast. The Game Before the Money podcast comes out every Tuesday. Transcriptions of podcasts are available on the gamebeforethemoney.com. Please visit the gamebeforethemoney.com to listen to the Game Before the Money podcast and for many football history articles. The Game Before the Money podcast is powered by our transcription partner, Sonics. S-O-N-I-X. Visit sonics.ai to learn more. <laughs>